0: If you look at the industry trends, then it's pretty clear that what got us so far of a general purpose CPU and a general purpose GPU has done a great job of kickstarting AI and making it into something real. But the next level of power, efficiency, and performance is going to come from customized solutions
1: hey everyone welcome to brains behind ai show where we meet the innovators entrepreneurs and the real brains behind some of the most successful ai startups we ask them about their journey from coming up with the idea to finding the product market fit and from their experience draw a set of principles that we can take away to ours this is your host ari thank you for spending time with us and now let the show begin
2: Welcome to another episode of Breeds Behind AI. And today on the show, we have James Pryor. James is the Senior Director of Product Marketing Communications at Sci Fi, the industry leader in risk V processors and Silicon solutions, where he leads global communications for the company, helping to plan and manage product and corporate marketing. Before Sci Fi, James worked at AMD as part of the client product management and business development team, helping to define and launch the Ryzen Threadripper HEDT, and Ryzen Desktop Processors. Previously, James has covered technology companies as a journalist and worked in the university data center as assistance programmer for smart grid operations. James received his degree in electrical and electronic engineering from the University of
0: Portsmouth, UK. James, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. (laughs)
1: Hey, James, before we dive into your background and and the company, can you take a minute to let our audience know what Sci-Fi is? In sort of layman terms, what what do you do as a company?
0: For sure, yeah. So Sci-Fi was founded by the inventors of RISC-V, which is a new construction set architecture. And that's the, the specification that tells computer hardware, how to talk with the software. So whenever you write an application, you are doing it inside the confines of the instruction set architecture, the ISA, and telling the machine, go do this. So there's lots of different ones of those. RISC-V was invented at UC Berkeley in 2010. As researchers there were trying to figure out new ways to make the computers more efficient, more programmable, more flexible, and there wasn't something on the market that they could just go use because of proprietary licensing agreements and expense. So RISC-V is a free and open specification that is developed by the Risk v International Organization, which is made up of a bunch of different technology companies, researchers, universities. It's like a who's who of technology. And they guide the RISC-V specification and the extensions to make the set of instructions and the, the basically the, the manual for how to build computers for anyone who wants to use them. And Sci-5 is exploring the commercial opportunities that that RISC-V instruction set allows. So we create microarchitectures, processor cores, um, and accelerator IP that other companies can license from us to build cool SOCs and solve different problems for their different solutions. We've had a lot of success in the embedded market. And now we're moving into the application and AI markets with new, higher performance, more efficient, accelerated designs.
1: Excellent. That's very impressive. Now, James, how did you find your way to sci-fi? What was your journey like?
0: Yeah, so that's an interesting one. So I was previously working at AMD and had been... Doing some great work there with the Ryzen team and the client business unit, and we disrupted our competitive approach to the market with you know new definitions, new products, new performance, new approach to it. And I was kind of wanting to extend that theme, and I bumped into a guy on an airplane. It was one of those things, you know, you travel around the world, you never know who you're going to see at the airport, and I bumped into a guy, and he's like, "Hey, we should talk. I'm doing something fun. You might like to do it too." And one thing led to another, I ended up joining Sci-Five as they're off trying to, you know, move and, and disrupt the industry from proprietary legacy architectures that are bogged down with lots and lots of history and lots and lots of inherent issues for something cleaner, lighter, more sophisticated, but simpler at the same time. And I thought well, that sounds fun. Let's let's go give that a shot. And here I am. There you go.
1: When was uh, Sci-Fi founded and when did you join? Have you been no. there since the
0: start? When, when did you get in? No, I got in pretty early in 2019. Sci-Fi was founded in 2015. So we're just over six years old now. So I got in at the, around the four-year mark or thereabouts. So just as it was starting to ramp up, you know, I've seen us hit 200 design wins with seven of the top 10 semiconductor companies, as well as shipping a billion cores across the globe. So it's really early days, but already a lot of success. And we're you know, really listening to what the market needs as we watch the explosion of AI, both software and hardware, happen around us.
2: Wow. And how did you come how did the company come up with the name Sci-Fi? What does that mean exactly?
0: <laughs> well you know, they, they invented risk five. Risk is goes all the way back to the early days of Hennessy Patterson, well known in the computer architecture space, awarded the Turing Award for their contributions to computer science over the years. So risk stands for reduced instruction set computing. This is the the fifth iteration, because there was a risk one, a risk two. 3 and 4 were kind of named somewhat different but when they invented the fifth one they were like okay we need to we need to make the family work so risk 5 and instead of using you know number 5 they used the numeral so that's why it looks like risk v when it's written now but it's really risk 5 and then because sci 5 was all about the inventors of risk 5 founding a company to make the most of the commercial opportunity then si is the the symbol for silicon and V is 5 so sci5 but spelled out this time it's all about making risk 5 real and mm-hmm. making those cores making those chips so sci5 primarily licensing ip is the business model but we also have a business unit called open5 that will take your design specification and work with a foundry to build a chip and we, so we have full service we can go from specification through the soc or we can provide soc ip or interfaces or memory interconnects or processor cores a very broad range and portfolio probably the broadest in the industry for our size company wow
1: Thank that's, you. that's great we're in AI podcast right and i was very intrigued to have you on because you're one of the first hardware in ai play startups that we are meeting so can you take a minute to elaborate how the chip and the work that you're doing at Sci-Fi can potentially support AI. What is is the role your chip's playing?
0: Yeah. So I think if you look at the industry trends, then it's pretty clear that what got us so far of a general purpose CPU and a general purpose GPU has done a great job of kickstarting AI and making it into something real but the next level of power efficiency and performance is going to come from customized solutions. So we're seeing this development of custom silicon across all areas of the industry. You know, you've got places like Google and Amazon designing their own chips because they want increased efficiency, increased performance. They want to accelerate specific parts of the workload. So that's where we kind of looked at it and said, you know, we need to take a, a software-first look at this. What are, what are the people who are writing AI trying to accelerate? What are their commonalities? How much flexibility do they need? Because the big problem you've got right now is if you create an AI model and you say, great, I'm going to go put this into silicon and make it go really fast, you'll be able to do that. But by the time you've built your chip, the model has changed because the the silicon cycle is years and the model cycle is months. So you need a programmable, flexible solution with a little bit of generality, but still the workload acceleration. And as we're moving from CNN and DNN type models into transformer models, then you need that style particular set of instructions and data types to be able to be processed as well as the fixed function things that you're gonna do inside of your graph inside the core it's compute acceleration so it's it's really taking a look at what are the standards that are going to win out that are open and available to everybody things like tensorflow lite things like you know everyone's writing their software and compiling it with a a standard library that approach is going to be more scalable and long term versus doing a bespoke architecture with specific software on top of it because even your own next generation is going to break that model. So you've got to get that added piece of it, of uh, generality. So that's what we did when we worked with TENS is that we're part of their second generation of AI computers using our Sci-5 Intelligence X280 core in their chip to help with pre- and post-data processing. We've got the right data types, we've got the general purpose compute, but we're right there beside the compute execution units of their uh, bespoke AI. So it's that blend, that customization. That's really where the hardware is going. Is it's not going to be, hey, just buy a sci-fi chip. It's going to be co-design your chip with sci fi so that you've got the software, the hardware, everything put together in the right place and the flexibility to accommodate new things that you learn from your data over time.
1: Yeah. No, that's that's great. And actually that leads to my next question. I wanted to understand who are your target customers? Are they the companies where you design the chip together with them? Or is it sort of uh, a turnkey where you take the chip and they take your chip and run with it? What does that look like? What is your market?
0: That's a great question. So actually, it's a little bit of both. So we primarily focus on selling the IP to companies who want to go design a chip. They've done it a few times themselves. They're aware of it. They want to go and integrate IP. But we can also create platforms like we did with Samsung and TSMC, where we've built some reference platforms where it's just ready for the third party IP to come in, but everything else is there. So we built an AI SOC model with TSMC and with Samsung that you can now come in if you're not an experienced chip company, leverage all the work we've done and build something with just the added uniqueness that you want to integrate. So broad offering, we can talk to the guys that are sitting there saying, you know, I've got this great software stack, but I wanna move it from the general purpose compute or the accelerators available today into something vertically integrated myself to maximize my opportunity. And we can talk to the guys that are already doing that and help them accelerate their roadmaps as well.
1: Understood. Now I'm gonna sort of bring up the GPUs, the graphical processing units here for a second. I know they're heavily leveraged in AI applications because of the power they bring in for processing and compute. Now, I want to understand if I were to draw a line, how does sci-fi's work and your chips fit with with, with that ecosystem? Is there a play or is there not a play?
0: Yeah, that's a great a great thought. So right now you've got the add-in model of you know you've got one or two CPUs in the in the server motherboard, and you've got you know four, six, I I don't know how many separate GPU accelerators, and you know there's problems with the efficiency because of the delays of sending the data to each one, what amount of memory each one can address, and the compute efficiency and breaking down the mark uh, the the problem. So what I, I the better way to think of it is how we would integrate with that is. Looking at the GPU, when you're working on AI, that whole piece of silicon isn't being utilized. Only certain parts of it are. And the same goes for the CPU. It's running a specific set of instructions that doesn't change that much. So a lot of the general purpose flexibility is wasted. So it's wasted silicon. So there's an opportunity to uh, redefine the balance. And I think you look at the industry, you'll see a lot of AI companies are moving towards a single chip solution. They've got one SOC that has multiple chiplets or uh, tiles on it, but they're much, much closer together. They're much more integrated, even down to being inside the silicon design where you've got accelerators right next to the main core. And that's really where we see the big opportunity is creating those accelerators and scaling them uh, up so that you've got more and more compute tiles or resources or chiplets, whatever you want to call them, available to you for your workload, because it kind of simplifies how you program your models, because you've got a unified uh, interface, it's simple and easy, you know what data types are supported. And it, it just kind of makes it more efficient, as well as easier to program.
2: No, thank you. That's very interesting. And I wanted to kind of divert into the challenges now that you are experiencing, whether a day to day basis, or just in general as a company.
0: Yeah, so I think our day-to-day challenges are just software, same as everybody else out there in the AI land is is software. So RISC-V being a new instruction set, we're developing a new set of tools, migrating the existing set of industry-supported libraries, compilers, tool chains, and that's going really, really well. We've got some fantastic maturity in the existing tools for building chips. It's been driven out of our embedded adoption, We're seeing, you know, mainstream Linux distributions like Ubuntu now support, you know, you can download the RISC-V version and that really kickstarts everything else. We've got our own high five unmatched board in the market for developers to get hands on, put in their own FPGA or accelerator, whatever they want to do into the expansion slot and begin modeling and, and processing their next gen opportunities. So it's, it's really nascent, but growing so fast, as we see with Tenstorrent and their adoption, to move into real hardware and that build the real software. So we also work with companies like the Barcelona Supercomputing Center in Europe, where they're working on the European Processor Initiative. They've adopted RISC-V and the Vector Extension for their AI supercomputer. And we work with them contributing to... The global software that everyone's going to use, with libraries and other tools to help ensure everybody's standards and, and software works. So day to day, it's a lot of work on software, a lot of work on standards, a lot of work on interoperability, and a lot of work on finding out what is the important set of workload that needs to be accelerated. You know, keeping working on TensorFlow Lite and other uh, models, Cafe, etc to try and see what is the, the, you know, the biggest amount of impact we can have to accelerate AI, whether it's in the data center as an accelerator or in an edge device or even on-device in a handheld device of some kind.
1: What I've seen is building a hardware company is a tough proposition, even in Silicon Valley. Most VCs run the other direction. If you can just take a minute to help us explain what has been your ingredient that has helped you be so successful over the years, despite of all that's stacked up against building a hardware company?
0: No, oh, that's a great question. So I think it's a little bit of freedom and a little bit of excellence. So by freedom, I mean that we're adopting and a proponent of an open standard. So when we try to say, look, you should come use our cores, we're not building the walled garden of it only works with our stuff. We're using something that you can extend yourself that you can hire your own team develop yourself and the reason for working with sci-fi is because of the excellence of the offering not the uniqueness and that's uh you know kind of a flip on the head of everything else that everybody does in in the in the industry right they try to go for it. you can only get this from me it doesn't matter how good it is i'm the only one that's got it now it's everyone can have this we're really good at it this is you know buy it on the merits look at our approach come work with us the collaboration that we offer the understanding and the expertise that we have of the workload the software your challenges let's work together and build that and that's i think that's a refreshing new approach that's uh, gathered a lot of momentum as we see everybody across the world adopt risk five. is you know the the volatility in the market that's been caused by the last 12 18 months has really sharpened everyone's focus on I need a risk 5 strategy it's a strategic imperative i've got to be able to defend my product roadmap against outside influence and that means i need to build it on things that i can openly and freely get so open standard software we all know the benefits of, of that and now open standards based hardware is the next level so because risk 5 is open it's free to adopt And you can join the company that is making the standards and specifications and make your voice heard just as much as gigantic hyperscale companies or the biggest tech companies in the world is incredibly appealing to everybody because it levels the playing field. It lets everyone have an input on what is the best way to do this and how can I do this? And then if there's a fork, then both solutions get worked on because you can find somebody else to go do it with you. So that's, I think, the really the big impetus behind it, combined with the quality of our products and the, the relationships that we've built from our management team's experience and our awesome engineers that are just delivering great quality, quality products every day.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. Now, I have to ask you about the semiconductor shortage. We're seeing and experiencing and everyone over-ordering what they need I, w- I want to see how does that impact you or how do you play in that?
0: Yeah, so I think because we're looking at the vertical integration solution and the custom solution, the migration from off-the-shelf hardware, we're seeing an acceleration of interest because of that. Because you know, if, if you're in the position that your solution is built on commodity pieces and now that commodity has become very uh hard to get you've got a bid for it the delivery is uncertain there's a risk in your supply chain but if you own like if you're the only person that needs the chip that's being produced because it's yours it doesn't work on anybody else's stuff then you're a much better position for ensuring supply and that's uh, the conversation that's going on because it dovetails with the broader industry trend of let's increase efficiency let's increase performance let's focus on the workload and differentiate from everybody else. And they happen to coincide at the same time. So I think that the, you know, that's really driving a focus on let's build our own chip uh, across everybody who is you know, based on a broad platform of technology.
1: Yeah. So I, I hear a lot about sort of the, the dependence on, on China and then US working to, to have this semiconductor independence, right? We're we're making investments, and you you and I are in Austin, and we know <laughs> Austin's sort of a big hub there, starting with AMD and others. So, what again? Do you have any thoughts? And again, don't mean to take the, the conversation in the political direction, but do you have any thoughts on the role U.S. can play in helping us achieve the semiconductor independence that we should strive for here?
0: Yeah, well, look, it's it's all about a free and open market. Healthy markets are prone to growth, and that growth is driven, promoted by competition. So more and more companies being part of creating silicon, building silicon, designing it, testing it, writing software for it makes the industry stronger. So the more incentives there are to do that, then the better off the market's going to be, regardless of the, the political concerns that anybody might have. So it's it's a good thing to see the investment because it's going to promote a lot more opportunity in the US and for companies working with US companies to get the best technology they can find. And that's really what it's about is providing the best solutions that you can and being able to compete fairly in the market. And this investment is going to do a lot to help do, to encourage that.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. And how do you market this, the hardware and your product as well?
0: Being an IP provider, then we spend a lot of time reaching out to different technology and semiconductor companies, asking them, you know, what are the challenges you're trying to solve? What are the problems you have today? And where can we help? And that's what we try to find out is different ways to solve these problems, whether it's a big company or a little company and figure out is there something on our roadmap or in our portfolio today that's going to be able to help with that and figure out a design to work together on. So that's the, the flexibility of being an IP provider is that you can really um, offer that flexibility and, and intercept the problems as they're coming down the line from you know the, the future-looking statements of product direction.
1: So in terms of the sectors, are you seeing it pretty well Spread out, and I'm assuming your customers for most part are the big tech. But are, is, there, is there a sector that you think is more pronounced in terms of their needs and the work and investments they're making in in hardware?
0: Well, the three big growth industries right now are automotive and the AI accelerator in the data center, and networking, 5G networking, base station, and those solutions. Because those are the places that are seeing. You know, double-digit growth, thirty-plus percent tagger increase, and they have the strongest opportunities to deploy AI and make a meaningful difference in both the solution cost, efficiency, use, and interest. So that's really where we're seeing a ton of interest. You know, the edge AI is incredibly strong as well. They're growing and coming along. So. There, you know, I could I can rattle off the markets. Everything's trying to get smart from cameras to storage, from network switches through to the accelerators inside of data centers to cars, whether it's I mean it's it, you're seeing now the strong push for integration of voice assistants and smart assistants beside the ADAS. So there is a ton of opportunity for. Small, medium, large-scale AI in a ton of growth markets, and that's a really good place to be because it means that you can everyone can get a slice of pie and have a a good growth without uh, it being you know a zero-sum equation.
2: Thank you. And how big is the company? Like, how many employees do you have?
0: Are you? Yeah, we're (laughs) we're around uh, 15 design centers across Mm -hmm. the world. We have around 550 employees. We're growing constantly. We've got a lot of open Rex right now, so if you're a software engineer or hardware engineer, then you should definitely check out Sci-5 in our career section. We've got some really interesting roles, especially for working on mm-hmm. next-gen AI and fun stuff like that. So a lot of stuff going on with us. We're really excited. Great. <laughs>
1: That's great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll direct our audience to your site to see if there's anything there that interests them. I, I know you're growing very rapidly. Is most of your business in U.S. North America based, or are you seeing more growth? You said 15 centers globally, or are you seeing the growth more outside U.S. now?
0: Well, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, you know, North America is pretty semiconductor heavy, so I think it's natural to see a lot of our business there. But there's a lot of opportunities in other geographies as well, both Europe and in Asia. So it's kind of hard to pick out one that's like dominating all the rest. I, I, I think it's fairly traditional right there's a strong interest in the u.s strong interest in taiwan and and the asian countries as well as europe okay
1: makes sense all right i'm going to ask you one sort of more hypothetical question so imagine i am an automotive industry exec and i want to make my car smarter and, and i know i need to invest in the chip so what advice would you have for me
0: Well, number one is to take a solution-first approach. Don't look at the technology on the shelf and say, how do I cobble that together into what I want? It's all about what am I trying to achieve? So take the end result, work back, and come to Sci-5 and work with us on co-developing the technology and the chip to meet that specification and that experience. And that vertical integration will give you a differentiated and unique product that will deliver on the value proposition you want to have in the market.
2: And um, do you have any advice for maybe young entrepreneurs or just young people in general who are really looking to break into the hardware industry?
0: Oh, great question. Yeah. So, the I mean, just keep trying and finding opportunities. Say yes to things as much as you can so that you can get experience, get exposure, get well-known. This industry loves to to give people a helping hand if you just got to find the right person to hold out that hand so it's about just uh, going to different events and participating in different technical days that you can just keep keep being around being getting the exposure making friends and you'll find that the opportunities start happening
2: thank you great
0: advice
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Great advice, James. Hey, we want to thank you for your time. It was a great conversation. We enjoyed it. Absolutely. So thank you. I know you're busy. I know you're growing fast and you have a lot going on. So we really, really appreciate you taking time and spending it with us.
0: You're most welcome, Mario. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, James.
1: Thank you so much for being here today. If you like what you heard and are interested in more, visit us online at brainsbehind.ai and sign up for my monthly AI startup tracker. That's where I cut through the noise and bring you AI startups that are making tangible progress. Till next time, go out, be the brains behind AI.